A locavore is a person who chooses to consume food that is grown, raised or produced locally. This is the Locavore Podcast, brought to you by White's IGA. Welcome to the Locavore Podcast. I'm Ros White and this podcast is where we dig deep into the stories behind the hundreds of locally sourced artisan, bespoke and innovative products created and made available to you through our stores, White's IGA stores on the Sunshine Coast. And the Locavore program was created to showcase and highlight to our customers where their food comes from, not just food but their products, and to help them connect to the families and the and the people that have created it. So you may traditionally consider that our Locavore program focuses around fresh and local and that it does. However, we also handpick other local products across all commodities, including technology. And today's chat is super, super special as my guest has been a regular visitor to our family home since he was a little boy. Good friends with my daughter Sophie, Bailey grew up on the Sunshine Coast and attended the same school as my children. Um, so from his early preschool years, Bailey would pop over your birthday parties, come over for a catch-up with friends, swim in the pool. And so I developed a fabulous friendship with his mother Lisa, who is actually a, a very talented interior designer and helps me with our store fit-outs as well. So it's a family affair. But Bailey, you finished your schooling at the Brisbane Boys College and recently graduated with a bachelor's degree in property economics. That's absolutely fabulous. But you've gone from that little boy <laughs> to one of our locavore suppliers now, and you are the inventor, the founder, and director of an incredibly innovative and a very cool gadget called the Zip Zap Charger. Welcome, Bailey. Thank you, Rosie. Thanks for having me. It's great to have you here. I'm very excited about yeah, this. Me I'm too. so proud I'm of looking con- forward to it. What is a Zip Zap Charger and why do I need one? Yeah, so Zip Zap is more of a convenient solution. Uh, Zip Zap's a, it's a new, innovative, it's called a cableless portable charger. So the big point of difference is uh, you don't require a charging cable with those standard big bulky power packs. Um, it's simply built into the device. So when you're out and about and you're wearing jeans or you have a little clutch handbag and you don't really have that space on you and you need some way of charging your phone, it's a good solution just to be able to put it in your pocket as a backup. It can charge your iPhone, AirPods and iPad. So it does have a capability of charging three devices in one, which is pretty unique in comparison to what's on the market. But yeah, it's it's we like to say cableless, but in a sense, it's just a cordless charger. So you don't need to carry around a cable at all. It's built into the device, slots straight into your phone, and yeah, and start charging your phone wherever you are. Yeah, so it's portable. Yes, it's portable, and yep. it's quite small. So you yes. pop it. So you, the idea is that you pop it onto your phone or your iPad, and it is you can continue using the phone without being kind of hamstrung by this cord or yeah, you correct. know stuck yeah. near a power plug or something like that. Yeah, for sure. I think the whole image or the whole inspiration behind it was to not stop what you're doing. You don't want to be out at a restaurant and go, hey, do you have a PowerPoint I can plug my charging cable into? It's more so to keep you doing what you're doing in daily activities as we're all very busy. We're all moving around everywhere a split second so yeah it's it's portable you can put it in your pocket it's very small 
It's just around the convenience side is what's been our best seller. Mm, and very, very clever. So it's been a very exciting whirlwind <laughs> for you over the last 12 months, graduating your degree and launching the ZipZap Charger. But thinking back to 2020, when you were in yeah. Brisbane, yeah. on a night out with your friends, yeah. and you couldn't get home, tell us what happened next. Yeah, so I think like any other teenager, um, we've all done it at least once or maybe more than once for myself. This is when I was living on the Sunshine Coast at the time. I was out in Brisbane with some friends. Um, we're in the infamous Fortitude Valley. At the end of the night, it was about 2 a.m., very late, I know, past my bedtime. But no. <laughs> we, we won't ask what you no, were doing, Valley. No, no. yeah. yeah, end of night, I was trying to order an Uber home. Had lost my friends. I didn't know whether where they were, so I was like, all right, time for me to go home. As I was about to order an Uber home, my phone went flat. And oh. I just went, wow, like I'm not... None of my friends are around me. I didn't bring a wallet out because I had my ID in my phone case and I have my my card on my phone as well so I can pay for things. So, yeah, I couldn't order an Uber home, couldn't pay for a taxi, couldn't communicate to anyone, couldn't ask anyone for a phone charger. So, in a sense, I was stuck, which was quite frightening, especially as the world goes more digital. We rely upon our phones so much for... A variety of things like our phones, our IDs, our vaccination proofs now. Mm. So yeah, I was stuck. And for the people who may know Brisbane, Fortitude Valley is a fair way away from Tuong where I was staying. So I walked home that night from the valley to Tuong. It was a little over 10 k's to walk Goodness. home. Took a few hours. So yeah, the next day got online and just had a look for, I need some sort of safety device that in those tricky situations can get me out of trouble. And I wanted to find something that wasn't a large power bank that required me to bring my only charging cord because mm. that's like sacred. Then I don't you want need to lose a man it. bag. Yeah. You don't want a man bag, do yeah. you? And I was like, in my jeans, I don't want to have a, like I have my phone, my wallet. I don't want a big chunky power bank or I like to call it a brick. That just wouldn't look cool exactly. on the dance floor. And it's just it? not convenient. Like you don't want to have that cord sticking out and holding your phone while you're sitting down or drinking with friends. So yeah, got online, looked for just a small power bank at first. And um, and then I sort of got the idea in my head of, I just don't want to carry a charging cord. Surely there's something that you can just put on that's very small and that can get me at least 10% charge just in order an Uber because um, that's all you need in those tricky situations. Um, but yeah, it was surprised that found nothing online. So that's sort of what started the whirlwind after that. Goodness sakes, that's unbelievable. So you've obviously identified that there was a, a gap there, uh, that you couldn't find the thing that you were really wanting. Yep. And you came up with the idea, and that's one thing. But actually then taking an idea and creating a solution and a product... Yep. And launching it, yep. and you're 21 years old, yep. that's so impressive. How did that come about? You know, talk us through how you went from ideas to solution, product launch, and here we have all of us benefiting from this fabulous little gadget, the ZipZap charger, which mine lives in my handbag. Yeah, and well, that's great. everyone in my family has one. Yeah. It's quite an interesting story of how it came about it. So following that... That night out, went online, had a look for a charger that just didn't require a cable. And I went through all the biggest companies in Australia, through like Belkin, through um, Signet, Apple, looked at 
Telstra, like just looked at a variety of the biggest companies and said, surely there's a product that doesn't require a cable. And I was quite shocked to find that there was nothing here in Australia um, other than that wireless charging pad, but you still need to connect that into a PowerPoint and your power bank with uh, the cord. So sort of sparked my interest of like, wow, that's a bit strange that something that in my terms convenient isn't on the market. So then I went and looked into the American market through Amazon and a few other of their big platforms and still couldn't find a product within that range. So me being the young kid I am, I was running up to mum, just like, mum, I found an idea. <laughs> mum just rolling her eyes at me. That's another idea. Yeah, whatever, Bailey. <laughs> So then I started getting online, just researching for a few weeks. It sort of planted a seed. It's like, mm. wow, there's something that's not there that I think a lot of people could use, especially my age. And I think there's a lot of people that could benefit from having a product like this that's convenient. So I got online, did a lot of YouTube tutorials, surprisingly. It's crazy how much information you can learn off YouTube and through Google searches. And then I went on a platform called Alibaba, which is like the manufacturing wholesale platform of the world. So say you want this microphone, it goes directly to the manufacturer, gives you a bit of variety. Took me about three months of just going through Alibaba and having a look at who the manufacturers are. Luckily enough, Alibaba is very transparent and it gives a good overview of each manufacturer. So it gives them a rating out of five, which is good for you as an outsider because it does give a bit of trust and reliability rather than you're going to get scammed and all that. So it took me about three months to find the right supplier. They're a power bank provider. They make wireless charging pads. So I just send them a message and just said, hey, I have an idea. Are you open to creating new products? And they just said, oh, not too sure. What are you thinking? So then over about a... 11-month process. Um, we just went back and forth on design. The design originally came about where it was funny. I was at the gym and I had my phone on the table and then I had my AirPods case uh, right beside it. And I just was just sitting there looking into space and I was just like, oh, wait, something that size would be perfect. Mm-hmm. Like it's the width of my phone. It's not too big. I can still do all my phone calls and text messages. That's the design I want. So then I pitched it to the manufacturers. We had three prototypes with the third one being the final product. And then, yeah, it it was sort of a crazy uh, launch period where it was just, it was a Tuesday night and we'd finally had our stock arrive. This was in August of last year. Um, We had a batch of 200 units arrive first. And I was just over the moon. I was yeah. like, oh, my God, we finally have product here in Australia. That's amazing. Nice. And then mum was actually the one who was like, why don't you just launch it to friends and family? I said, yeah, that's not a bad idea. So we launched it on a Tuesday night and sold, I think, like 20 units to all my family in Sydney supporting. And yeah, I, was, I was ecstatic. It was, it was great. Yeah, just amazing. So did you patent the design? Like, I'm sure that would be quite a complicated do you have like a design protection around it? Yeah, so we currently have a patent on the product, specifically around the bracket design of the charger. It's hard. There's a few different types of patents that you can go for. There's a provisional patent and a standard patent. I applied for a provisional patent, which more so hones in on design aspects. The standard patent's a bit harder because 
that's based upon the technology side of the charger, which, I mean, every charger is roughly the same, give or take a few little specs. Um, they're all pretty similar. Mm. Um, but no, I did undergo that patent process probably about three months before launch. Mm. I thought it was a very important aspect to hold the value in what I was doing. Um, I thought, well, if there's not anything on the market like this, then I should try and protect the IP of that just in case it goes on the news and someone from Apple sees mm. and goes, hey, let's put this sure. into manufacturing like yeah. that. Yeah, I thought it was an important aspect to get the patent all finalised before we launch. Which Definitely. We, um, yeah, we were lucky enough to secure it, I think, on the Monday and then yeah. we, we launched on the Boom. Tuesday. Oh, yeah. Don't waste any time straight out there. <laughs> yeah. No, but it's a great product. And when when I saw the product and what it was, I thought, yes, I could use that. I need one of those. Yeah. And then from there, so you were doing the internet. I know you had some internet sales. And then we did a little pop-up, didn't we? Yes, we did. your local store, it which is great. the yeah. Whiteside, yeah, Mount Coulomb. Yeah. Did a little pop-up just before Christmas so that our customers could kind of uh, access them quite easily. Yeah, for sure. And the great thing about that puts you in front of your customers and builds awareness of the product, not just selling the product, but your story and, you know, that the fact that, you know, you live 10 minutes down the yeah. down the street, which is fabulous. Yeah. And since then, we've been stocking them and selling them through our stores. And it's amazing because it's not a traditional kind of line, but it's yeah. it's been really popular with our stores, but it's just another channel. But, you know, how are you getting your name out? What What's your longer term kind of reach and goals? Yeah, for sure. I think... Firstly, it was a bit of a surreal moment being able to have the honour of selling in your stores, especially from knowing you and your family for like since I was a baby <laughs> and shopping at that Mount Coolum IGA since I was, oh, since it was built. Yeah, it's very surreal to one, be a customer of that store and know it pretty much back to front every yeah. aisle yeah. to now seeing my product on the wall. It's, oh, um, it's awesome, a crazy isn't it? experience. Yeah. No, I think we had a. It was a crazy response, so it's actually a pretty funny story. It was my weekend of my 21st birthday, so I went down the Gold Coast and we were working with some PR ladies here on the Sunshine Coast and we were going to do a press release. This was in September, so a month after we launched. We reached out to them and we said, hey, we want to do a, a press release just to see if we can gauge any local news agencies, um, radio stations all that sort of stuff. So I was away on my 21st birthday weekend with my best friends and my mum calls me on the Saturday. It was about, I don't know, 4 p.m., been at the Burley Pavilion for hours on oh. end. So <laughs> I was like, mum, miss you, how are you? She calls me and she's like, Bailey, do you have a minute to talk? And I said, always for you, mum, no worries. And she goes, well, you need to get your stuff together. You have a meeting with Sunrise, live oh. interview, 6 a.m. Monday morning. Wow. And I went, oh, my God. So That's exciting. It was, it was unbelievable. So in that moment, I sobered up. Yeah. Probably the fastest in my life. Like, guys, you would not believe yeah. what my mum just told me. So ended up cutting my birthday weekend short and we left on the Sunday, got back to Brisbane Reef for this interview. Monday morning, 6am, was wow. still hurting bit bleary a bit, but uh, <laughs> so yeah, went on um, Sam Max, it's called yeah. Plug Up Loser, which yeah. is like a business shout out. Wow. Um, and they have five, five different businesses they do on each segment, but they don't tell you what order you're going in. So it was on a Zoom call. This is during obviously COVID lockdown mm. stuff. So 
was um, via Zoom call and so I'm sitting there waiting and I was just like, my nerves are building as yes. you're waiting because you just don't yeah. know when you're going to go. Sure. So they just instantly cross over to you and go, all right, now to Bailey and you have 15 seconds to shout out your business. Wow. So because I was still a bit blurry minded, I was like, what am I going to say in 15 seconds? That's really going to sell myself. So... I was just sitting there thinking and as I thought I got a lot more anxious, a lot more nervous and then I was ended up being the fifth, the fifth oh, business. So I was the very last one. Lucky last. Lucky last. And surprisingly, I actually got two minutes of air time and Perfect. I was the only one out of the five that got to have a full conversation with Sam and then the studio crew, which is like Koshi and a few other big names, they were asking questions wow. to me. Yep. And I was the only one that was lucky enough to have that conversation. From that day, we sold close to 1,500 units from that two minutes air oh, time. that's absolutely unreal. Um, and that's what really elevated my brand mm. beyond because they played my promotional video and that really gave a good visual for customers of what it is because it's hard to say – oh, I have a cableless portable charger. People just go, well, what's cableless? And yeah. as soon as you say no cord, they go, oh my God, that's genius. Like, yes. It's just convenient. So yeah, that was probably our biggest moment to date that really just skyrocketed us. And I remember getting off the Zoom call and I was called mum. I'm like, check the website, it's gone nuts. Mm. And mum was just like, oh, I'm in bed. Like I'll check in five minutes. I'm like, no, check it right now. That's and cool. It was, yeah, I think it was like 200 sales within yeah. the first minute and a half. Unbelievable. And it was like, yeah, I was, wow. I was gobsmacked. It didn't yeah. feel real in a sense. No. So that really got our brand out there to customers. Yeah, that was in September, October. And then coming into Christmas time, we try to do a lot more local stuff just to get it. It's like good Christmas gifts. So yeah. that's when we had the chance yeah. to do the pop-up out yeah. the front of yours. Um, we did Fisherman's Markets. We just did little stuff just to try and get the community aware of us. Did a lucky radio interview with Mix FM mm. on the coast, which just putting our name out there. And then I think it was through word of mouth is what really has continued that snowball effect. Yeah. It's a lot of the times like mum's like, oh, look what I got for my daughter. Mm. And yeah, I think word of mouth is what's helped our branding. We're now at a stage where we've sold already all over Australia to date, about 33,500 units mm. um, across Australia and New Zealand. And yeah, word of mouth, social media, influencers, a bit of everything. I haven't really like toned down what our niche is yet. Yeah, um, We've only been launched for seven months, which mm. I mean, time goes by so quick, as mm. you know. But that's, yeah, we're still in that building process. We're sure. testing new waters. We're yeah. seeing what works for us, what doesn't. It's a bit of a test and trial at the moment. Yeah, so you've got plans to develop and launch an Android version? Yeah, yeah. so we've had a lot of feedback from the customers, which has been great about, hey, I have a Samsung, do you have a Samsung model? And I just went, oh, wow, I didn't really think about that at the start because the first initial thought was, how can I help myself in that situation? Mm. Going back to the, the Valley night, um, I just said, I just need 10% charge. So I just mm. need something that's going to help me right then and there and then yeah through the feedback of our customers um we're now in the process of developing an android version which will hopefully be available within the next few months yeah, yeah. beautiful and the, you've got a really cool catch cry isn't it what is it zip zap how's that oh uh, yeah so the initial 
catchphrase was um, zip in your pocket, zap on the go. That's how I came up with the brand name Zip Zap. And then we gave it to one of our friends, uh, our family friend, and he came up with a phrase. He's like, oh, zippity zap, how good is that? <laughs> and I was like, I love that. You know, I'm taking that. Thank you so much. So, um, uh, isn't that gorgeous? Yeah. So you've stumbled across this unique idea. Have you always had an inspiration to be an entrepreneur? Is this something you kind of just you know, fell into in some ways or did you draw your inspiration from someone? Yeah, so I've always been a ideas type of person, I'd like to say. Being around, especially it's a good example of my parents, like my mum's an interior designer, so she's always looking at how do you change something, how do you change that, Mm. you put a wall there, these colours, sort of that creative thinking. Yeah. and I think from moving house every two years, so annoying, but <laughs> it sort of sparked my, wow, it's amazing how my mom can just look at a space and yep. really just get that creative image in her head. Yeah, she's amazing. Um, so that's sort of been one little spark in my head. But I've always just been fascinated by who creates stuff. Like you look at this microphone, mm. someone thought about this yes. somewhere, sometime and developed it. And mm. I've sort of... As a kid, just being fascinated by a lot of things. I just look at them and mm. I really just think about it and brainstorm. So that's sort of what's... Yeah, so you really do have an entrepreneur's brain, I try don't you? to, yeah. I don't it, like to say I am, but... No, no, but it, yeah. it, that is. You're looking at yeah. things and, and thinking, how was it created? How was it made? Yeah. Uh, which ignites new ideas. And, exactly, yeah. Yeah, so, which is which is fantastic and and I think it is a a creative. Yeah, Yeah. and I I think, yeah, the most influential people on my decision-making around entrepreneurs are like my father. He owns his own rug company, but um, even though rugs isn't the product or the line of work I wanted to get into, he still, he gives me a realistic approach of business when I just pitch out ideas like every second day to dad, like, hey, I saw this, can you do this, this? And he just goes, all right, let's do the numbers on it. Let's see if it's feasible, if it's possible. And I think that's what, in a sense, I'm very lucky to have because it cuts out a lot of the garbage, I like to say, and it really gets straight to the point of, okay, this is possible, this isn't Mm. possible, it's going to cost you this much, going to cost you that much. But I think surprisingly what's fueled my entrepreneurship in the last three years. I came out of school. I studied economics in school. Uh, went from Sunshine Coast Grammar to Brisbane Boys College. At the time in school, I was studying economics and we had a one assignment that it said, you need to create your own business and then you need to sort of just give a business plan of why this is something that's going to make it. Um, and I was just, oh my God, this is my time to shine. Wow. So I was happy I was so I spent so many hours on this assignment, and when I did the presentation, I was like I talked about it like I already had this business. Wow! And the teacher at the time said, "That's not a good business. It's not going to work." Pretty much just completely cut me off, and just like I was so disheartened by that at a young age. It was in grade ten. Mm. Remember it like it was yesterday. Isn't that fascinating? Yeah. So I was so didn't stop you though. Made you stronger. Well, and that's what yeah. So more determined. It. In a sense, it started a fire in me to yeah. say, Look well, how can bounce. you say no to a business when it hasn't even started and you don't know the opportunities it could hold? Um, and they sort of just planted this image of don't take risk. 
that was the biggest thing I got out of Entrepreneurship is all about risk, exactly. isn't it? Exactly, yeah. So and I there was, might be some calculated parts to that, like your dad, sure. you know, anchoring in your idea, yep. your dad giving you that advice. But it is, it's all about taking a risk, For isn't sure. it? And I think school, if I ever got in a position of a voice one day, I think that's the biggest thing I'd change in schools is to encourage, hey, risk is okay. I think there's such um, a stigma around don't take risks. Risk are going to make you broke. Risk are going to put you in financial trouble. You're going to lose everything. But when you're so young, what do you have to lose? You like you're your 21. I go broke. I haven't even started my professional career, which is in property. Yeah, it was the biggest sort of in my head moment of, you know what, I'm going to do this. At some stage in my life, I'm going to come up with something and I'm really going to back myself to have a go because I believe every kid can have a go at a business that if they're around the right people, they have the right support, they write out what their plan is for what they have and what's unique about it. And then there's nothing to lose. You start a clothesline selling t-shirts, you're selling t-shirts. Like, how can you go wrong with that? Like there's always an opportunity to create and innovate. But I think there needs to be more support from the base of where we get all our creative ideas from school. Yes. But school is such a place of textbook learning. But yeah, that's, no, that's what fueled my fire of entrepreneurship and wanting to prove in a sense that it is possible no matter who you are, what your background is. Like I have no tech background whatsoever, but mm. I learnt off YouTube and mm. the internet. Yeah, absolutely. No, it's very inspiring and you're inspiring lots of people yeah. and that's that's a story that I hope you keep telling, Bally, because young people at that age, impressionable, vulnerable, wanting to have that hope and look for that opportunity, you know, yeah. you can inspire them and tell them, you know what, it's okay. And if somebody says no, it's not no yeah. necessarily. For sure. And so I guess it brings me to... In all of that, what would be your motto? You know, you talked about advice you would give to kids that age. Is that kind of maybe your motto in life as well? Yeah, I think my my biggest motto since um, starting my business is have a go. The hardest part about starting a business is starting. That first step of actually committing to starting is what 99% of businesses don't start because it's that fear and that anxiousness and worry and panic of, oh, is it going to work? Is it not going to work? Um, that was the biggest hurdle to overcome for myself. Personally, from just reflecting upon that moment in school, at university, like I always just pitch ideas and people just go like, yeah, whatever. I'd say it to my friends, they just go, yeah, cool, like good luck with it. Like knowing that they just don't care. And at the time, I was so passionate about my idea that I'd, I'd bounce everything off my parents. And at the time, my parents were both just like, oh, you need to finish uni, like stop getting distracted. You're in your last year. It's really important you finish your degree without getting sidetracked. And so I was thinking to myself, I was like, I want to try and prove a point here. I don't want to sit back and listen to what I should do because I feel like I have a chance here and I feel like I can really do well here if I just take that first risk. So having a go is definitely one of the biggest mottos in my life. And the other biggest motto I live by 
is results don't come from the work you don't put in. And I've always been, in a sense, I feel like an underdog relating to sport and other facets of my life where I feel like people haven't backed me, but I try and prove myself by the work I do rather than the title I have or what I've done in the past. Like I've made rep teams, I've done that, but that doesn't define who I am and they don't actually understand who I am. So yeah, hard work is definitely a thing that can't, it can't be excused in my sense because I'm a one-man team. If Mm. I don't do the work, no one else does the work. So I've always related back to, I have to put in the hours. It's a lot of sacrifice. Um, If I knew what business took back when I started, um, might be a different story today because it's such a learning curve beyond. I mean, I studied economics and I did a business diploma in school. So I thought, oh, it can't be that bad. I've learnt about it. I know fundamentals. My dad has a business. I've been around him all my life. Nope. Mm. (laughs) Still learning every day. Yeah. And it, it's it's the best thing about it is I'm learning. There is no right or wrong. I make a wrong decision, I learn. Yeah. I don't fail. Like there is no failing in taking a risk, which should be in my eyes normalized as just having a go. Mm. Like you you lose, but you don't lose because you're learning every time you make a mistake. And the amount of lessons I've learned over the last six months of business I reckon has put me 10 years in advance of actually knowing real world Mm. workplaces, how to network, taxes, all those fun things. Um, I've learned by myself and it's just, you learn along the way. There is no right or wrong way of learning. Yeah. Everyone has their own journey, own path. But yeah, it's been, there's two of those biggest mottos I live by is have a go and the results don't come from the work you don't put in. Yeah, well done, Bailey. Yeah, Absolutely incredible stuff. Well, you're only just getting started, so I can't wait to see what you do next. <laughs> and um, we'll be there cheering for you, absolutely on the sidelines, supporting you all the way. Thank you for coming in today. Oh, thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. Great to see you, Bailey. You too. A locavore is a person who chooses to consume food that is grown, raised, or produced locally. This is the Locavore Podcast, brought to you by White's IGA.